As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Shamrock, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by Matt Fortuna. We're both in press boxes, but not the same one. Uh, he was able to witness the offensive explosion of North Carolina Wake Forest. I was here for something a bit more conservative. Um, as Notre Dame eventually puts away Navy, I don't think the game was in doubt really for more than 10 minutes in the first quarter. And ultimately, Notre Dame pulls away, wins 34-6. Matt, I, th- I think as defensively on point as I've seen Notre Dame all season, um, and maybe as defensively on point as I've seen Notre Dame ever against Navy, um, you know, you think of some of these series and these the games in the series, and it seems like Navy always gets Notre Dame at some point, but today... Longest run, 32 yards. They averaged under three yards per carry if you take that out. Actually, they just averaged three yards per carry anyway. It, um, a really dominant performance. Um, you know How much gets replicated moving forward against Virginia, I don't know. But certainly Notre Dame comes out of this feeling better about itself defensively. And I thought you know, some of the commentary from Brian Kelly and the players after the game, they – they don't think they had played all that well so far this season, um, especially the last couple of weeks. And they were, I think they were probably right. Yeah. A little more scored in my game than yours, but that made it easy to write quickly and tune in and watch uh, all the Notre Dame game, which was uh, uh, pretty simple uh, to, to, to put it um, as a board. I mean, I thought your post game comment or question to, to Brian Kelly was appropriate. And he essentially said as much like this was probably the soundest You've been defensively against Navy in 11 years of facing the midshipmen. Obviously not the best Navy team he has faced um, during his Notre Dame tenure, but a, a good defensive effort all around. And yeah, definitely sounded like, uh, I don't know if exciting is the right word, but a lively week at practice. Definitely a more entertaining, uh, drama-filled week on the practice field at Notre Dame than it was on actual game day today uh, on Saturday against Navy. Um a lot of tension. That word got thrown around a lot in the post game um, press conference. I thought JD Bertrand it put it in pretty um, compelling terms, at least for for the outside eye to, un- to understand. It's as far as 
hey, I bet on the scout team before. I thank those guys. Um, he also says, were you, I don't know if you were the one asked this or not, who, who played better against you guys, the scout team or Navy? <laughs> he said, scout team actually scored multiple um, multiple touchdowns against, or scored a touchdown against us this week, and Navy did it. So edge to the scout team for that yeah, one. Yeah, I think he said a couple, maybe even. <laughs> so it may have been two two to zero in terms of the touchdowns. go, But like, like, there was a lot of subtext during the week and stuff that I had heard that, like, yeah, this was an incredibly tense week where Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, essentially was inciting the offensive scout team to try to kick the starting defense's butt through the whistle, after the whistle, um, basically to just piss them off, to make them play mad. Uh, and as much as I think probably Drew Wright's PCL is collateral damage in some of the, those intense practices, um, you know, the benefit of that tonight, six points, maybe can't get his fullback going. I thought Notre Dame's defensive line was outstanding. Um, you know, give some credit to Mike Elston on that for having them ready to overwhelm a, a, a bad Navy offensive line and a bad Navy quarterback. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, Brian Kelly acknowledges much like, look, this is not the best Navy team we've played. But um, to shut them all the way down the way that they did was, was really impressive. Um, so it's... It's, it's something that I think Notre Dame should feel a little bit better about itself going to Virginia, but how much of tonight you, or how much of tonight and today you can take to Charlottesville, I really don't know. Um, other than just like the communication aspect of it, the discipline aspect of it, the sort of like, see if you do what your coaches tell you to do, this is what happens aspect of it. And there is, there's certainly some value in all that. No question. I mean, Jack Kaiser got asked essentially that question post game. Is it harder to go from a USC North Carolina style of offense to transition to Navy or transitioning from Navy to Virginia? I mean, I think he gave the appropriate answer. One's not harder than the other. I think the actual answer we all know is going from the triple option to Virginia because like Virginia, as we've said a couple times, and that just got announced minutes ago, is a primetime 7:30 ABC game. So congratulations, Pete. I can see your excitement level right now. Breaking um, my heart. <laughs> it, it, it's, but like next week's a game they could lose. Today was a game that like, let's face it. We know like Notre Dame against Navy. Like they've played good Navy teams. They've lost to Navy in the past, but like that they're well past the point of a program where this is a game that, Oh, you can lose on Saturday. It's still a game that could affect you down the road. And look, <laughs> Drew White played. He did get hurt. We've talked at length about the linebacker depth or lack thereof. And we've talked at length about the receiver depth or lack thereof. And that was another position that took another major hit today. And I don't know what the long-term implications of that will be just yet. Brian Kelly said Avery Davis will get uh, an MRI and they'll go from there. But um, he also said, we're going to have to move someone to receiver. Uh, we don't know who yet, or we're not ready to say who yet. Um, not really sure who it would be. Uh, I'm not sure if you know. Can't move, can't move, can't move Xavier Watts back. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure where they go with that. Cause it's not, they don't, there are not options. Um, you know, can Chris Tyree be a slot receiver all of a sudden? Cause Logan Diggs is really come right. on maybe. Cause it, again, it, it's a slot. That, yeah. Yeah. You're trying to replace a slot receiver, not an outside receiver, but regardless, Notre Dame's down to five scholarship receivers. Three of them are freshmen. One of them is redshirting at Jaden Thomas. So it's, it's a little bit more bare bones um, at that spot now. Linebacker is a little bit more bare bones. I don't. So that that's why I, did Notre Dame lose a little bit today? Absolutely. You know, Avery Davis has made some clutch plays and is a really good leader for this team. 
you know, to go to a place where you may have to outscore the opponent already without Kyle Hamilton, who I don't expect mm-hmm. to play, barring a surprise this week. Uh, and then potentially out without Avery Davis, who's just sort of like been a steadying force. That's a tough, that's a tough ask. Um, so, you know, it's like, how much does this game travel for good and for bad? It, you know, a little bit of both, right? Because like the confidence the defense gets, that travels. The Drew Wright's PCL injury travels. Avery mm-hmm. Davis's uh, left knee injury travels. Um, you know, Notre Dame is sort of, they may be laboring to the finish line, but look, Brennan Armstrong allegedly has broken ribs. Uh, I don't, I don't know if anyone stayed up to watch Stanford last night, God bless them. But um, <laughs> I have not. A, they, they have a quarterback. I, I watched problem. the first half and I went to bed. Okay. Yeah. They have a quarterback problem. Tanner McKee was had, I think at least a crutch uh, on the sideline on Friday night. So everybody's hurting at this point. Notre Dame. It has the streak against unranked teams. I believe is at 39 now. Mm-hmm. Virginia's not ranked, not going to be ranked. Uh, Stanford's not, won't. Georgia Tech's not, won't. Um, so if Notre Dame can sort of handle its business, that streak will get to 42, and Notre Dame will be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's going to be interesting to see who takes over at slot receiver. I mean, it, it's crazy to think of Avery Davis as not that he hasn't earned it, but but to think of him being in the role he is in right now where he's so crucial to that offense, that team, given the wayward path he's taken to become uh, a primary target at receiver. Um, someone's going to have to take a similar path probably in order to replace him down the stretch here, assuming he's out for an extended period of time. As far as what's transferable, what's not, I, mean, I do think, look, the actual defensive play, no, like couldn't be more different. I think offensive styles from Navy to Virginia next week. Um, I, I am curious. I mean, yeah, Brennan Armstrong said he broke his ribs last week against BYU. He left the game in the fourth quarter to not come back in. They had a bye this week. No update on his status just yet. Um, I am curious, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious to hear your perspective on it. Um, what's a bigger – Who's a bigger missing piece for the respective team next week? Is it Kyle Hamilton for Notre Dame or is it Brennan Armstrong for Virginia? And I mean, I think Hamilton's a better player, but I think the answer to that's Armstrong. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I mean, Armstrong is just a. Ma- I believe he was second in the nation in total offense. I mean, he's like Sam Howell. He was first plus. in passing yards before okay. last week, I think. I mean, he's like Sam Howell, but like more of a pass first option. And Sam Howell, as you watched in person today, I watched in person last week, like. That guy's a baller. Uh, it, stre- it stretches you in so many different ways in the secondary. Where is Notre Dame weak? Clearly, it's in the secondary. Um, you know, without Hamilton, the DJ Brown, Houston Griffith combo, they're sort of holding on for dear life. Tariq Bracey got banged up, went out, came back in. They're trying to like fast forward Xavier Watts, a converted receiver who probably help you at receiver if you want to move him back. <laughs> um, 
but they see him as a a potential starter down the road at safety. So they're they're just going to get stretched so many different ways next week. In a, you know, if Navy is stressing you mentally, Virginia is stressing you physically. Navy is stressing your front seven against the run, which where Notre Dame is really really good. Navy is stressing your back seven against the pass, where Notre Dame is incredibly suspect. So it's um, that, that to me, this is this is the last hurdle. Virginia, because I think Stanford is sort of like circling the drain a little bit. Georgia Tech's just all over the place. I don't see them traveling very well to South Bend in mid-November. If you can get next week, you're going 11-1. and And look, college football today, Michigan State loses at Purdue. Uh, Cincinnati has two goal line stops to beat Tulsa. Um, Alabama, Wake (laughs) Wake Forest, the game you watched, undefeated Wake Forest is no longer. Alabama was losing seven nothing when this podcast started, and is still losing seven. And Oregon's Oregon's losing now too. Yeah, it's it's easy. And to, Ohio State did not look good at all. Yeah, just, as we're uh, right. Yeah, it's that should be noted considering how much we're nitpicking Cincinnati's performances. Uh, if you're Gary Barta and Co. But it, I don't want to get into the cliche of like it, that it's hard to win, but like clearly other teams losing means that it is in fact hard to win, um, and. Notre Dame is really, to me, one win away from like they can sort of look at like, damn, eleven and one, not going to make the playoff, but going to have a great chance to end up in a New Year's Six game. Will end up in a New Year's Six game. I talked to the Peach Bowl this week. They basically said if Cincinnati doesn't make the playoff, they are contractually obligated to go to the Fiesta Bowl. That means Notre Dame would not get a rematch with Cincinnati. They would go to the Peach Bowl because those are the only two at-large destinations based on bowl contracts if the season goes sideways from here you're probably looking at the holiday bowl i talked to them this week they said they're they're on the same tier in the acc selection process as the cheese it bowl formerly the champ sports formerly the camping world bowls um and the gator bowl notre dame has played a lot of bowl games in florida i don't get the sense there's a huge appetite to go back there san diego new bowl destination good alumni base and I think probably for that bowl, they're like, which ACC school has five alumni on the West Coast? Oh, Notre Dame has a has a quarterback, ten, yeah, <laughs> yeah, tens of thousands and a quarterback they really like. So Notre Dame would be a great draw for them. Um, that's your sort of boop 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 bowl update for Notre Dame. But like, they're they're in a great spot right now. And look, it's you'd rather sort of be here where Notre Dame is than these teams that sort of don't know who they are from a week to week basis. Whether that's you know Michigan State. Um, Wake, I mean, Wake Forest, you knew was in it for a difficult game today, but um, Notre Dame's sort of sitting there at eight and one right now. And the, I would think they would move up at least, at least two spots to eight this week. I could, I could see Michigan State still being ahead of them. Wake Forest, I mean, Mich- Michigan's still ahead of them, which yeah. didn't make sense to me, but a lot yeah. of this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But clearly they're going to move ahead of Wake Forest. Um, you know, if Oregon loses, you would move ahead of Oregon. Michigan's tied 0-0 end of the first quarter here as we record this podcast, or almost the end of the first quarter. Um, Notre Dame will have a chance to, like, move up at least a little bit. And if they beat Virginia in this wretched primetime game that maybe more people will watch, um, maybe they'll have a chance to move up a little bit more than that. And then just sort of hope for some chaos as far as it comes to the college football playoff. Yeah, Peach Bowl, Atlanta City of Champions, Holiday San Diego. First year, that will be in uh, Petco Park, the Padres uh, Stadium. That would be pretty fun. I actually went to a game out there this summer. It 
you would have thought the place was brand new, even though it's about 15 years old. It's, it's just an awesome structure, awesome city. No one can have a bad time in San Diego. Everything Rob Burgundy said about it is true. Um, it's interesting, you know, when, when you talk about, um, you know, how hard it is to win in college football, look at what's happening elsewhere and look at all these teams that are losing. I keep coming back to, and I was kind of glad Brian Kelly got asked this post game today. You know, he got asked about, Hey, You've won 39 straight games over unranked opponents. You've won, I think, 40 straight when you've scored 30 or more, although that one might be tested next week against Virginia. Yes. Um, there's something to be said for consistency and performance, and you know it sounds boring to us. And Kelly said it, same old, same old. We're not going to change <clears> anything anytime soon. But clearly behind the scenes, the message is resonating, and, and that's something that has to um, – just has to – I don't know. Like, I'd love, like – to give true serum to Brian Kelly, be like, okay, like, what do you like? What excite, not what excites you, you're coaching dirty football. So I don't need to put in those terms, but like, what, like, from the outside looking in, it could be very boring to just win the games you're supposed to win every single, like, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. And they're not. Only yeah, Notre Dame is, it, right you know, now. they have the longest it, streak in the country. Is it boring or is it like not all that gratifying? That's like, I'd be interested to sort of get his perspective on that. I mean, cl- clearly it well, has but, get, get something out of it, but it's, you're right. These games, and I think the fan base has sort of gotten to a point now where they're just like, oh, another game you're supposed to win. Do I even need to watch this? I, well, I'll tune in just so I can bitch about it on Twitter in the second quarter. <laughs> Salty Pete. <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt you were uh, disrespecting this mutual respect game just a little bit with your tweets <laughs> and your comments this week. And I felt like Brian Kelly may have been intentionally trolling you when the first words he said today were great respect for our opponent. Mike, word word number two time. was respect. Yes, it was. And uh, yeah. they really leaned into it on the NBC broadcast. They said, Tommy Reese said, like, this is like the second or third best thing you could ever do at Notre Dame is play Navy and sing with them. Yeah, look, um, it, it is cool. Like, it's it, an awesome. I love it. It's an awesome I wrote about scene. it in the offseason. Yes, this series should continue. This was, Matt, the thing you were looking for, most forward to seeing, which is why you went to Wake Forest, North Carolina. On the feet of Wake coming Forest. 58-55 um, uh, was pretty cool to see. On yeah. This. <laughs> but – I mean, point being for the people who are like, this series should go away. No, 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 it it, it shouldn't. And it won't um, for reasons beyond the 10 year contract that they just signed with Navy to extend it. Like it's a great friggin' series. It tests you as a coach, as Brian Kelly detailed about like not doing seven on seven, not running your offense. Like I get all that. I also don't have a whole lot of sympathy for Notre Dame staff in that scenario. They're, well-paid, they are very skilled, and they have better players. So they can handle it. Clearly, they handled their business today against Navy almost untested. Um, and it's just a, it's a cool scene. It was, I would say, like, there was some saltiness throughout the game that I think yes. that uh, Kyron Williams smack-talking probably brought out in Navy a little bit. Um, you know, Jared Patterson got Jared a personal Patterson. foul. Yep. Um, I think probably more for sticking up for Kyron Williams, who was having his ankle twisted off his body. But – it's just, it's a great series. It's a great scene. There, there is nothing else like it in college sports. I mean, cause look, army, army Navy is something else entirely, Sure. but in terms of like the, the establishment versus, um, you know, sort of an old school tradition and, and bringing that back, I, I think is awesome. I think that this game is, should continue forever. As long as I'm covering Notre Dame until I join Brian Kelly on a beach somewhere to watch the end of the 10 game series or perhaps longer, <laughs> May Notre Dame Navy continue on indefinitely.
he made that same similar comment about drinking Mai Tais on the beach when they announced the A&M series years ago, which I think was for 2024. And he might actually be around for that one. And so we'll see how long he can continue to push the envelope. I thought you were going to say, as long as you get to go and we bury the lead with oh. the news that dropped Thursday night, as long as you get to go to Ireland and Dublin, and maybe we can have a, we, a live shamrock. We get to go. We, we get to go, Matt. We, I think it's I can't as, think of a more, a more appropriate place to broadcast a podcast called the shamrock than like the game no, storehouse there is none um we need to make that happen no other so, games that week right. game day will be there. everyone will be there so yeah if, if uh, anyone at hq is listening to this podcast i feel like we have at least one devoted listener um let's get a live broadcast of the shamrock over in ireland um was it august 26 26 6 in yes, yes, 2023 yes. We could even do two shows if you want to sort of like cost benefit analysis, the whole thing. Season uh, preview show, season game preview, preview show. show. Yeah, no, I think it'd be freaking brilliant. And we have the post game show. So a lot happening. I mean, we, obviously, our old producer, John Hayes, would need to join us for that um, just to make sure all the technical difficulties. But I mean, when I when I tweeted that out on Thursday, we were all getting suggestions about which pubs to do it in. So I feel like maybe we should just have multiple shows and multiple pubs. Is there any, who is there anyone out there that we would have covered or dealt with in Notre Dame Connection so like we could get as a great in-person guest? I mean, I'm sure there are no shortage of alums who will be making the trip. So as far as actual Ireland connections with the Notre Dame fighting Irish, like mm. I don't know if I can think of any off the top of my head. Chris Salvi and Max Redfield both played football in Italy, which is my other um, net- yeah. ethnicity or, or originality, but I don't know if there's anything in Ireland. Yeah, so I think J.D. Bertrand, who spoke after the game today, his dad, I, I don't, he's not from Ireland, but like lived in Ireland for some time. Um, so there's some connections there. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if we have a good, good hookup that way. But uh, frankly, I'm just not sure that we need one. But yeah, it's yet another reason why the Notre Dame Navy series should continue. And I, I will say there was there was somebody who was like, this doesn't do anything for your college football playoff resume. Like, I couldn't disagree more. Cincinnati is being dinged for struggling with Navy. True. Notre, Notre Dame's going to get a little bit of credit for it, which is still more credit than Michigan State will get for their game against Purdue today. So winning games that you're supposed to win by wide margins gives you credit when it comes to how the committee sees you. I do. There, there's been a, an ongoing theory that Navy hasn't been the same since they joined a conference. Um Obviously, entirely different scenario than Notre Dame ever joined conference. But as far as when you play the same 12 opponents every year, same nine or however many every year, plus Notre Dame, um, you know, the option's not novelty anymore. That's baked into your schedule as something you got to prepare for every single year. And I like to make the analogy of like Syracuse basketball, right? Like they're never that great of a regular season team in the AC in ACC play. And then they get to March Madness and whether they deserve to be in or not, you know, they're getting at least the second weekend. It's just like that two, three zone if you're not prepared for it or 48 hours to prepare for it, it just completely throws you for a loop, much like the triple option does with anyone who faces it for the first time. But it was interesting. I mean, we'll see later in the week, the cumulative effect of this, but like knock on wood right now, the two injuries we're talking about, one happened in practice on defense and the other was on offense. So it doesn't look like there's any serious injuries that came out of this game, not to minimize the impact he'll have on uh, playing Virginia next week. I, I look forward to Brian Kelly's Boston accent coming out <laughs> the one or two times a year. He gets a reference Virginia and Virginia Tech because that, he just doesn't know how to pronounce it right. Yeah, and that's, you know, from the, the wear and tear standpoint, this was an opportunity that they took Notre Dame took advantage of to get different players into the game. We saw 
Xavier Watts at safety. We saw Prince Colley at linebacker, Aiden Kayona at defensive tackle. Um, you know, they, they got to go a little bit deeper where they could. That's not every position anymore, obviously, but um, it, that should also lessen the wear and tear of this game. I think that um, the body blow theory on Navy, while dead on for probably the first eight years, I don't, this is not one where this is going to apply. Um, you know, my, our good friend Tim O'Malley likes to say, like, the thing about Navy is like, they just keep coming mm-hmm. and they didn't tonight. Like, I think that Notre Dame, not that they made them tap out, but like, Navy sort of ran out of gas and didn't have a lot at the end to just sort of keep hitting in a way that like wears down Notre Dame some games. Yeah. I mean, I do think, you know, irrespective of the final score, how this game played out, you know, there's something to be said for um, even if it's using this game, you know, as a motivating factor, there's something to be said for like Marcus Freeman lighting a fire under everyone's ass in practice and the defense locking in and recognizing, and they said it all post game, like, we need to be better um, because we spent a lot of time, I think, on this podcast last Saturday after the Carolina game talking about what's wrong with the defense and where do they go from here. Schematically, not much you can take away from this game, but I do think playing a, a sound 60 minutes and having a great week of practice and having all that going into what's going to be your toughest probably defensive test of the season next week if Brendan Armstrong plays is valuable in its own right. I am – I mean, I'm lying if I say I've watched Virginia enough – and watch Brendan Armstrong closely enough to think, all right, this offense is so electric. Whoever's back there is going to put up points. Um, I think Brendan Armstrong's had a, a tremendous season so far. But when you look at their three losses so far, I mean, last week, BYU, 66 to 49. And again, Brendan Armstrong got hurt at the end of that game. They were not with him for the end. Uh, North Carolina, 59 to 39. The only one that that where they weren't lining up the scoreboard was Wake Forest, 37-17, a home loss. Um, on a Friday night uh, in September. So we can talk all we want about Notre Dame's defense. I'm sure we'll do plenty of that throughout this week. Uh, this is a game where Notre Dame's kind of new look offense or, or, or enhanced offense over the last three and a half games is going to have to be at its very best because they're going to have to score points, plain and simple. Like they're, they're, they're going to have to outscore Virginia regardless of how well or how, how poorly the defense plays. Will you, uh, will you be joining me there? I was waiting to hear uh, about Armstrong's status. Um, I'm still up in the air. Bronco Mendel speaks Monday. I assume we'll get clarity then. If not, I might just have to come anyway because yeah. I, uh, the only ACC schools I haven't been to are the two Virginia schools. Um, so that would be a good excuse to go start. So on the men's basketball team as a Friday night game as well. So maybe we can check that out if we go there. Oh, perfect. Perfect. All right. I think we could wrap this one up a little bit earlier than our typical post game uh, in honor of Navy running down the clock quickly. Um, so, unless Pete, Matt, man, unless, you are anti-American, anti. I love the Navy series. I think for all the reasons that I've detailed that you're going to host your own alternative podcast here when we're done. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we will be back this week to preview Notre Dame, Virginia, sort of um a sneaky big game that, you know, if you're sort of viewing that nationally, maybe it flies somewhat under the radar. If you followed Notre Dame and know their injury status, you know, it's definitely not. And also sort of, as we talked about tonight, kind of the last big hurdle um, because Stanford is lowering itself by the day <laughs> and turn of its hurdle quality. And if Notre Dame gets the one in Virginia, then they're there at 11 to one. We'll both write columns about how this might be Brian Kelly's best coaching job and Notre Dame will be off to the New Year's six Potentially against Wake Forest, so you could do you could bring your advanced scouting from uh, today's Wake Forest North Carolina game to that. 
party. At the over. That's the only thing I'll say. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. All right. Well, on that note, he's Matt Fortuna in the Wake Forest Athletic Director's Chap- box. Uh, yes, that is correct. There, yeah. There's a uh, here. Hold on. Do you want to? They're left over. Do you want a pennant? No, I'm I'm good. But you okay. you should bring your Wake Forest pennant home for your there's daughter. There's uh there's like the cheerleading stuff too, which yeah, add, I'm more of a pennant guy. I'll yeah, I'll save you one of these beers from the cooler behind me here. Even these, better, uh, friends of the university box that I'm recording here at Notre Dame Stadium. So, until we talk this week to get into Notre Dame Virginia, I'm Pete Sampson. He's Matt Fortuna. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Shamrock following Notre Dame's 34-6 win over Navy.